If you've read the Bible, you know even some of the well-known followers of Christ sinned, just like you and me. Abraham, David, Moses, and Peter, just to name a few. Pastor Ed Ray will look at a couple of failures in John 13 next. The Bible reveals things about people, warts and all. You know, everything about them is just laid right out there to encourage you and I in this story, even in the midst of failure, even in the midst of denial, even in the midst of betrayal, God can bring lemonade out of lemon juice. So if you're sitting here this morning feeling betrayed by somebody, having blown it, denied Jesus in some way, failed to be everything you're supposed to be, you're in good company. Welcome to the human race. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love. Theodore Roosevelt once said, the only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. The point's well taken, as we all fail from time to time, and it's important to realize that God is willing to forgive and give us the grace we need to move on. Well, today on Grow in Grace, we'll draw your attention to both Judas and Peter, who failed in different ways. This will certainly help us deal with our inevitable failures in life. So join us in John 13, and we'll meet up with Pastor Ed Ray at verse 18. Verse 18, Jesus is speaking. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I sent receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Now when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come, so I now say to you, 
A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. A lot of betrayal and failure and love mixed in here. One of you sent me something filed under Sunday School Theology. The teacher was describing in the kindergarten class when Lot's wife looked back at Sodom, she turned into a pillar of salt. Little boy broke in. My mommy looked back once while she was driving and she turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> Sunday school teacher asked her class why Joseph and Mary took Jesus with them to Jerusalem. The small child replied, they couldn't get a babysitter. Sunday school teacher's discussing the Ten Commandments and explains, honor thy father and mother. And then she asks, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Without missing a beat, one little boy answered, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Easter. It's Easter morning, the kindergarten Sunday school teacher reaches into her bag of props and pulls out an egg. She points to the egg and asks the children, What's in here? I know, said one little girl, pantyhose. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I came across a story this week of Ronald Reagan speaking as he was getting ready to leave office. And as every president had, he had lots of critics and people betraying him. And he, and he told the story of Alexander Dumas. Now, Dumas was a French novelist. He wrote Three Musketeers, real swashbuckling sort of character himself. He and his best friend got into an argument. And it was a pretty heated one in the middle 1800s. And it got so bad that they finally challenged each other to a duel because Dumas claimed this guy had betrayed him. So they come to this place where the duel was at Dumas's house, and they both had the chance to think about it, and they both realized they were expert marksmen, both of them. And there was a very good chance that both of them are going to die. That's the part about dueling <laughs> nobody talks about. And so they finally decided it would be better that they both wouldn't die, so they drew straws, and the guy with the shortest, true story, guy with the shortest straw would go in and shoot himself. <laughs> so Dumas loses. He gets the short straw. And so he goes into his own library. He's all dejected. Got the pistol in his hand. Shuts the door. Friends all gather at the door. And they hear one single shot. And they rush through the door. And there's Dumas standing there with a the smoking pistol in his hand. He said, strangest thing happened. I missed. <laughs> Well, he failed. In this case, we're looking at failures this morning. Really, the failure of Judas to become everything he was supposed to be, and he betrayed Jesus. And the failure of Peter to resist temptation and would actually deny Jesus. But out of this crisis of betrayal and of denial, there would be... Uh, a winning overall statement about love. This section really breaks up into three parts, betrayal 18 through 30, and then love 31 through 35. 
and then failure 36 to 38. What I noticed about the Bible as a brand new Christian, it was kind of shocking to me, was that there were so many characters that were a mess. I mean, if you go through the list, you've got Noah who passed out drunk, Abraham who worships the moon god, and then lies twice about his wife, Moses who murders a guy, David murders somebody, has an affair, adulterous affair. It doesn't get any better when you get to the New Testament. Here's Saul who's killing early church members and he becomes Paul of Tarsus and he says he's the chiefest of sinners. Now, that's great encouragement <laughs> to me. I thought, this is the kind of situation I can go with. So the Bible reveals things about people, warts and all. You know, everything about them is just laid right out there to encourage you and I in this story, even in the midst of failure, even in the midst of denial, even in the midst of betrayal, God can bring lemonade out of lemon juice. So if you're sitting here this morning feeling betrayed by somebody, having blown it, denied Jesus in some way, failed to be everything you were supposed to be, you're in good company. Welcome to the human race. Let's jump in and look at verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's washed their feet. He says, I know whom I've chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his seal against me. Now he's quoting a psalm, Psalm 41 verse 9, written by David a thousand years earlier. And he says, although David was writing about something that happened in his own life, he was really looking forward to what was happening right at that moment. In David's life, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 15, it's the story of his best friend Ahithophel, a counselor of his, who went with David's son and led a rebellion against the throne, against David himself. So David was betrayed by his best friend, someone who he had shared meals with, who he had known really well. Well, long story short, Ahithophel, his counsel failed, and so he went out and hung himself. So here we have a parallel of Judas, who is eating with Jesus, and he will go out, and he has hanged himself also. So there's a parallel of two thousand-year-apart stories. Verse 19, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. There's a lot in this verse. This is an explanation for prophecy in the Bible. Jesus gives us an understanding of why God has carefully embedded in the Old Testament and the New Testament predictions of things that would happen before they happen, so that when they did happen, the people living in it, or you and I watching it, would be encouraged that God knows what's going on. God sees in advance things that are coming. He has given very precise prophecies about Jesus, this being one of them. So when it happened, these men would be encouraged, and you and I can look back with hindsight and be encouraged in our own lives today. You've been listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray and a study based in John 13. Here's the second half of Pastor Ed's study now. He said, so that you would know that you would believe that I am. Notice the word he is in italics. That 
means that it wasn't there in the original. It's something added by the translators to help us. But as usual, when you help God and try and help us, it doesn't help us. It just confuses us more. Well, they said, well, there's problems with the grammar then, that you may believe that I am, you know, and you want to go somewhere with that. Well, if you're familiar with John, you'll know that Jesus has claimed the title of I am this is the fourth time in John's gospel. I am? Yes. Present tense. And I was, and I will be. That's what Jesus is saying. I always have been. I've always existed. Always? For eternity. Before the vanishing point, literally in Hebrew. I've always been there, and I will always be there in the future. And I'm here right now in this place available. That's what God is saying. What is it that you need? He said it to Moses at the burning bush. Tell them I am that I am. What? I am anything you need. You need a shepherd, I'm your shepherd. You need a savior, I'm your savior. You need healing, I'm your healer. You need redemption from something, I'm your redeemer. I am. What is it that you need? I can handle it. Let me do it for you. He's telling them this, of course, so when, in this case, Judas is going to betray him, they won't be shocked. They won't be thrown off. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 20, he who receives me whom I sent receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He's talking about he being the sender who was sent from God, and there are going to be those that are sent. In other words, they're going to be the apostles that are going to go out. The disciples are going to represent him. That would be you. That would be me. People are supposed to look at us and say, oh, that's what a Christian is. Ooh. <laughs> Sometimes that's scary, isn't it? We'd like to people to just see us at our good times, but they see us all the time. Then Jesus said these things. He was troubled in spirit after he said these things and testified, saying, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, Jesus is not emotionally detached from this situation with Judas. He is very much concerned. He's trying to reach Judas even at this point. Now, you can disagree with me, but you'll be wrong. I'm absolutely sure that Judas could have repented at any time in this process, and that's why Jesus is carrying this out this way. He's trying to give him more truth, more life. Well, what if he did repent? How could have God worked it out? <laughs> God has ways. God has thousands of ways to make it happen. He's trying to reach Judas. Well, that throws the rest of the disciples off. Then the disciples, verse 22, looked at one another, perplexed about what he said. Who is it? They had no idea that it was Judas, which tells us he didn't look like it. You know, no shifty eyes, no black cape, hood. <laughs> you know, he, he looked like the guy that they could trust all the money with. That's why they made him the treasurer. Nobody thought he was this guy. What's interesting, over in Matthew 26, in the parallel verse, it says, they begin to say, is it I, Lord? What's that about? You would have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. I just sat there and said, Betray, oh, that's got to be me. I'm such an idiot. I get this close to salvation and I'm going to blow it. No, he's saying that there's somebody who's resisted love all the way through this and is still resisting at this moment. So they're trying to figure out who it is. Verse 23, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, on his chest, 
one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John, the writer of this gospel, is talking about himself. He's saying he knew that Jesus loved him. He's gonna use that phrase four times through the rest of this book. He was the disciple, the apostle, the one whom Jesus loved. Do you know that about yourself? Do you trust, do you believe, do you know that Jesus loves you? That's what he's saying. Well, I know he loves the whole world, but does he love you? John is confident about that. I grew up in a church where that would sound arrogant, you know? They'd say, well, you just don't know. Yeah, God loves you because he loves the birds and the bees and everything else, but you can't really know. John said, I write these things that you may know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and believing you might have eternal life. God wants us to know that. That's not being arrogant. That's trusting the promise of God. God's promise is that if you would believe, believe, then you would have eternal life. So the one who knew that Jesus loved him. I pray you're there this morning. Verse 24. Simon Peter therefore mentioned, beckons to John to ask him who it was of whom he spoke. I think this is hilarious. Peter is always, you know, in the middle of stirring things up and he's evidently right across from John. You know, John's on Jesus' right, assuming Jesus is right-handed. They're, they're at this low table, right? Triclinium. He's leaning on their left shoulder, and they're eating, and their feet are out this way. And John's right here next to him, so he can just go and put his head right on Jesus' chest. Peter's across from him. He's going, ask him, who is it? <laughs> he's doing hand signs, flashing gang signs to him, trying to get him to tell <laughs> Maybe not. Trying to get him to Ask Jesus, verse 25. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, John, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Well, evidently he said it so quietly that nobody else at the table heard it. But Jesus did. He answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread. When I have dipped it, and having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, there's a lot here in that culture. In that culture, you're eating without utensils, and you use a piece of bread to pick up something called the sop. It, it's still at Passover meals. It's like ground-up dates and raisins and apples, and, and you take a piece of bread and dip into it. Think nachos, okay? <laughs> but it's a very endearing thing. It's a statement of friendship, of, of intimacy, to take it and hand it to someone. Because what you're saying is, we are together in this. We're eating together, we're sharing life. We're having fellowship with one another. So Jesus is still trying to reach Judas even though the moment of turning has come. And he hands it to Judas as a sign. And when he did it, uh, Jesus said, to him, verse uh, 27, after the piece of bread, then Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. And Satan had entered him. That's a moment that must have been chilling. Then Jesus looked into the eyes of Judas and saw the eyes of Satan looking back. Well, no one at the table knew why Jesus said that to him. They didn't understand. They still didn't get it. They had no clue. 
For some thought, verse 29, because Judas had the money bag, the box, that Jesus said, go buy those things that we need for the feast, meaning the Passover feast. This is why I think this is the the day of preparation, the day before the Passover, and Jesus actually is crucified on the Passover, the Passover lamb. So they thought he was going to go buy some things for the the meal the next day, or that he should go give something to the poor, because he had the money box. Well, They didn't hear Jesus' statement to John, obviously. And having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. Very interesting that John would add that little bit there. It was dark already. Dark. That is a dark thing. Black. Betrayal. Maybe some of you this morning know what that is. There's betrayal that comes in all different sizes and shapes. Probably the most devastating is your spouse who's betrayed you and gone off with someone else. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child, grandchild, grandparent, close friend. It touches everyone, at least at some level in life. This is a study in that, betrayal. What do you do with betrayal? Hurt comes sometimes unintentionally. The other person didn't really even mean to hurt you, but it was you or them, and they threw you under the bus, that kind of a thing. It's even more painful when you know it's intentional. What do you do with it? Well, you get angry, and you hold on to it, and you think terrible things about them for the rest of your life. You become crippled by that lack of forgiveness in your life and become sick. Oh, there's a lot of disease states that are exacerbated by unforgiveness and stress in your life. This is a picture of letting it go. Unforgiveness, greed, and stress will destroy us. The story of Judas reminds us of that. God calls us to let it go. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, And it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share his word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, Send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. 
Let's return to Pastor Ed for one final thought about Judas. Judas is history's greatest example of lost opportunity. So close. He's with Jesus for three and a half years, and he never gave away his heart. He never came all the way. He's the greatest example of spiritual betrayal, the need for examination of our own lives, the dangers of loving stuff, material things, money, more than spiritual things, focusing on the here and now instead of the realities of eternity that are coming. Judas also is living proof of the patience and the mercy and the grace of God. Jesus would actually still call him friend when he came and betrayed him with a kiss in the garden. But Judas is also a picture of the sovereignty of God. No person can stop God's work in your life because of betrayal. Don't let that betrayal handicap you for the rest of your life. Let it go and move on. Eternity is in the balance. So that's betrayal. We'll take a look at Peter's failure when we come back tomorrow. We're on a journey through John on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship of Redlands. Zion, now build with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sit be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love.